I know from time to time that people don't know exactly where I'm going in a sermon. I, I get it. By the time you get to the end, you know where I was headed, right? Because it's some point of surprise. But So what I thought I'd do today is I thought I would tell you exactly where I'm going. Okay? Right? Now, Nicole likes this. She, she talks to me about this all the time. You never tell people where you're going. And it's on purpose. It's absolutely on purpose. And um, so what I started doing as a result of that is when we go to the movies, I'll tell her, do you want me to tell you how it ends? Because I can do it with a certain level of accuracy, right? And she says, no. So until she says yes, I'm not telling her where I'm going in a sermon. So here's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. All right? So now you know. This is, this is, this is where I'm going. All right, Nicole? Right here? Right here. This is... This is where I'm going right here. Now, um, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Chick-fil-A. Uh, God has blessed us with one just five minutes down the road, maybe six, right? God's chicken. In fact, I went somewhere else this week, had a chicken sandwich, had to go back to get a real good taste, you know, for a good chicken sandwich. So what they're doing currently, and I don't know if you know, you may go there, you may not go there. I don't know if you go or not, but you should because it's going to be in heaven. It's Christmas in July. Right? And it began July 25th, and there's the peppermint chip milkshake. Now, you can't purchase this on your app, can you, Grayson? Is Grayson in the room? No, he's, he's doing ministry stuff. Grayson loves this milkshake, and he can't order it on his app. He has to go inside to get it. You have to request it at the counter in order to get it, and it's only while supplies last. Now, he loves this peppermint milkshake. He's probably had a half a dozen at least this past week. So if you go to get one and they're out, it's because of Grayson. He has wiped them out of the peppermint milkshake. So uh, Christmas in July. Um, show me the next slide. This is a Christmas in July um, shirt. See, you have Christmas, you have Santa in swim trunks, surfing in July, and it's long sleeves. Okay, let that sink in. It's long sleeves. Thick, long sleeves, right? I, I, I don't get that. I thought it would be a short sleeve shirt, but obviously they do not agree with me at all. Now, um, do any of you, like, in, on Instagram, follow the TSA site? The TSA? Nobody in here? Well, you should, because it's funny. It's funny. Now, I don't put the humor on there, so if it's something bad, I didn't put it there, but most of the time it's pretty good, right? And so the other day, it's probably about, the other day meaning about six months ago, um, this was posted on the Instagram TSA website. It was this. This guy had 94 iPhones taped to his body and was trying to get onto a plane, okay? Here's another one. Can I bring this brick with me in my check luggage? This is 100% serious, right? Yep. So I looked at that and I thought, wow, why would you want to bring a brick? And then the one right under this one was this one. C, 
somebody in their carry-on luggage was smuggling tarantulas. So of course you need a brick. <laughs> right? Probably more than one. You need a brick. You just need one, okay? And then the next picture. I'm missing. Yeah, that's cute. Next. All right, here, here it is. Here it is. Can I bring my menorah in my carry-on bag? My menorah. Okay. If you were Jewish, you would think that was funny. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> I'm not Jewish. I thought it was funny. Okay, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. A menorah and candles, and they light them at Christmas. Yeah, okay. Good. Awesome. I will not use that one in the second service. You're my test service. It either works or it doesn't, right? So we'll do something else. I'll keep the spiders because we all kind of cringe. Um, all right, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to begin reading with verse 1, Matthew chapter 2. <clears throat> and this is what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So, yes, this is kind of a story that we talk about at Christmas. However, this didn't really happen at the nativity. This happened probably a year or a year and a half later is when this happened. And so these wise men traveled from the east and they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We saw his star. So there's a star involved. And for these wise men, this was a star that um, was unique to them in some particular way. This is something, a phenomenon that they had never seen before. And that's what drew them toward Jerusalem. In verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem, Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by, are by in no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall... Wow. For you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he said to them to, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose, went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, down, down through history, we've, all, we've been trying to figure out what this star is. And there's several different um, theories to what this star is. First, it's Halley's Comet. The, the problem with Halley's Comet is that um, it doesn't exactly travel in the fashion that this um, this star would have traveled. Also, the fact that it came around 1112 BC, which was way before the birth of Christ. So it's probably not Halley's Comet. The second one is something that you and I are, should be very familiar with, at least at some level. It's at least a certain amount of you in here should. Back in 2020, you heard a lot of talk about the Christmas star. 
And the Christmas star is Jupiter and Saturn coming together. And in that particular case, it was Jupiter, Saturn, and Regulus, which is an actual star. And it came together and it forms like what we call the Christmas star because it's really bright. There's a lot of light. And so people say that that is the Christmas star. Um, I'm here to tell you today, it, that is probably not the Christmas star. It just probably isn't. Um, that phenomenon happened in 7 BC. So it's close to the time that Christ came. But the way that the planets go and the way that they go across the sky, it doesn't really match the star that we're talking about here in this scripture. I submit to you this morning that this was a miraculous star, a miraculous event. This is something that God created in the moment. Um, so, well, Philip, why would he do that? Well, why would he allow the children of Israel to follow a cloud of fire by night? Have you ever seen a cloud of fire? I haven't seen that come down from Canada. <laughs> haven't seen that, right? A fire, uh, so that they could follow it, right? And then you had a cloud that just kind of tracked where they should go. That means the cloud, this cloud, whatever cloud this was, would go in a different direction than maybe wind currents and other clouds in the sky. So I believe that this is a miraculous star, and there's a couple of reasons I believe this. First of all, it's a star that appears to tell a few people, wise men or magi, that Christ has been born. And they know it's miraculous because they've never seen it before. So they would look at the stars, they studied the stars, and all of a sudden, boom, this big star showed up, and they knew a reference in Scripture somehow, or maybe an angel told them, but I think it was a reference in Scripture. We really don't know. But the reference in Scripture is, a star shall rise out of Jacob. And it pronounces the arrival of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so they were looking for this. How they had that information way in the east, we're not really sure. It could be Daniel. I don't know. But this star was, I think, very miraculous, and it led them all the way to Jerusalem. Now, when they got close to Jerusalem, it disappeared, and they were concerned about it. And that is why they went to Jerusalem rather than Bethlehem. They thought, well, if a king was to be born, where would a king be born? He would be born in the capital city where the king is. I think the Magi walked into Herod's throne room thinking that he had a child somewhere that was just born and they were going to see Jesus Christ. They were going to see the coming Messiah. They were going to see this child that was born. I think that they walked into his presence thinking that. And when Herod said, I haven't heard of a king of the Jews being born, he called out to his uh, scholars and they told the, the individuals where this child was to be born and it was to be born in Bethlehem. Now, the interesting thing about this is when they left Herod's presence, the star miraculously reappeared. That is why in verse 10, they are rejoicing because now the star is back. And here is the second reason that I think this is a miraculous star. This star traveled north to south. And there isn't an entity in heaven that travels north to south in the night sky. Are you tracking with me? It usually goes east to west. All things go east to west. They left Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is here, and Bethlehem is here. And it says the star not only led them there, but it stopped over the very house where Jesus was. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is miraculous. It's miraculous. 
And so that is this star. It's just a miraculous thing. It's an event. It's something where he wanted these magi to come and see the Savior of the world. So let's talk about Bethlehem for a moment. Bethlehem is probably the most well-known city, a small town actually, in the entire world. A, a lot of people know about Bethlehem. A lot of people. And it's kind of odd because Bethlehem is really small. It's really small. Now, back about 1,800 years ago, there was a guy, and I've got to get his name. Sorry, it just, just left me. Yeah. Hadrian, he was the uh, emperor of Rome. He absolutely went in and destroyed Bethlehem. Totally wiped it out. Totally wiped it out. Nothing was left standing in that town at all. Now, about 300 years later, there's, there's this guy named Constantine, and Constantine became a Christian. Now, some people debate whether or not he was a Christian. They debate all of that. I don't think it's for us to debate. We didn't know him. We didn't know what was happening, okay? But in history, he seemed to have become, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior. And this is what he did. He took a pilgrimage from Rome and went all the way to Bethlehem, and he took his mom with him because they wanted to see the place where Jesus Christ was born. So there was a pilgrimage that this ruler had that he put together, that he traveled all the way down there to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was in total ruins. So they were not able to find the exact place where Jesus was born, but what they did was they found a couple of caves in the area. And so they decided that this particular cave would be the cave where they would just say that Jesus Christ was born. They would just, this is where he was born. And on top of that cave currently is a church. The church of the nativity has been built on top of that church. And in the floor of where the cave, in the floor of the cave, where Jesus was born, where Constantine and his mom decided that Jesus was born, is this picture right here. It's a star that they put there to commemorate the Magi coming from the east. Now, with all that information, let's just pause here a moment. That's a lot of work. To go see Jesus. Right? That's a lot of work. I know you have cars. Right? We have airplanes. These people didn't have cars and airplanes. They had camels. Donkeys. Horses. And feet. And the Magi came from Babylon probably. Definitely the Persian area. Right? They traveled all the way across to Jerusalem just because of one text of scripture, just because a miraculous star was seen by them, just because they believed the Messiah was coming, just because they wanted to be closer to him for just a few moments. Constantine, who we don't even know if he was a Christian or not. I think he might be. I'm not sure. We'll see in heaven because he'll be there or he won't. Okay? Only two options. Only two options. Constantine took his mom and traveled all the way there. That, I know he's the ruler of the world, but man alive, that's a lot of work to go see a person that lived way, way, way in the past. Constantine's time, it had been 350 years ago-ish. And he went there, and it was a lot of trouble to go just see where Jesus was born, to kind of get a glimpse of where the Savior of the world was and where he actually lived for a little while. And here's my question for you. 
how hard is it for you to get to church? Yeah, I'm sorry, I went there. How, how, how hard is it for you to get to church? I would say it's easy. I get up, I know it's my job. I know it's my job, okay? You're, you're looking at me, it's your job, right? You want people, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, I want people here, but so does God, okay? So we live in a day and age where we travel everywhere easily. We get in our vehicles, we, we go to this place, we, we walk, we ride bicycles. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we can get to the places that we want to be. And that's the key. We go to the places where we want to be. And as believers, I think where we should want to be every Sunday is right here worshiping with God's people. That's what we should, that's what we should be doing. And if these guys would travel that far just to get a glimpse of the Savior for a little bit, just to see where he was born and where he resided, I think you and I can do better than that and just be more faithful to God's house. Right? Come on. Yeah. So... So why, why did these people travel? Like, like, why did they travel? The first reason that they traveled is because they had faith. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, is a scripture that I think they had. But maybe they didn't. But this is definitely the only scripture in the Old Testament that says that a star is coming. And it says, but ships shall come from Kittim. And sh-. Well, that's not it. Verse 17, it'd be nice if I read verse 17 rather than 24. Yeah. Numbers matter. Yeah. (laughs) I see him, but now I behold him, but near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Shem. I think that is what they knew, and they saw the star. They saw the star appeared. And they were like, oh my goodness, that must be it. That must be the star that was written in this verse of scripture. And not only did they say that, they said, that's the star and I want my life to be a part of that event. Right? I want my life to be a part of that event, of that baby being born. And so we're saddling up the the camels Honey, if you want to stay home, you can, but you can come if you want to. We are heading, and we're going to follow this star. You're going to head what? We're going to follow this star. See that star right there? Yeah, I see it. It's moving, and we're going to move with it. Well, that's kind of weird. Have you been drinking? No, we haven't been drinking. We know that this is. And they saddled up, and they went, and it was a step of faith. The star was weird. The, the scripture is weird. It's all weird, but they had the faith to say, hey, I want to be a part of what's happening and God is doing currently in our world today. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you get involved in church. That is why you get involved in mission. That is why you get involved and you serve with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Because God is still doing things today just like he was back then. Still doing things. Let me share one thing that he's done recently. I'm very excited about this, this particular thing. We have a pastor for our church that we're restarting. Yeah, very excited about it. Um, he's not what I expected, but he's what God wanted. 
Jesus wasn't, wasn't what they expected, but it was what God wanted. So I'm very excited. And God is still doing things today. He still has miraculous thing that he's, things that he's doing in this world. I will slow down and get less excited. Okay. Time to slow down a little bit, get my, get my words to where they're supposed to be. So these, these magi, they come to this um, place, you know, in front of Herod. And here are these scribes, these religious people that come and they tell him exactly where Jesus is born. The scribes that knew the scripture, that knew the right answers, didn't go with them to see Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? The scribes, the people that other people were putting faith in, that they had faith, that what they were saying was true, were the very ones that didn't go with the Magi to go see Jesus in Bethlehem. I think there's too many Christians that know right answers and some wrong ones, that when God puts something in front of them, they don't do that thing because it doesn't fit their tradition and it doesn't fit what they thought the Bible said and it just doesn't fit anything that they believe. And so they're just going to stay put in their, wherever they are. Come on, come on church. They know the right answers, but they're not going to see Jesus. They know what the scripture says, but it's not something that really lives in their hearts and their lives. There is things that keep them from going. You know, it's a lot of trouble to follow Jesus. It is a lot. Jesus is just a tad bit inconvenient. He messes with my TV shows. On Sunday morning, it seems like that's the only day I can sleep late. Do you have that problem too? Like you plan a day to sleep late, like on a Friday, like you're off on Friday and you can't because you wake up at the normal time that you normally wake up at, right? And then you get tired on Saturday, but there's something to do on Saturday, so you can't do that. But then Sunday comes around, and for some reason, you, could, you feel like you could sleep all the way till 11 o'clock. Right, Ms. Green? Right? Yeah, absolutely. She was talking about that today. You just feel like you can sleep. Because following Jesus is inconvenient. It just goes against everything that you naturally really want to do. It goes against the things that grab your attention in this world. It, it is a difficult thing to follow Jesus. And here are these people that knew the scriptures, but they did not follow Jesus. In fact, I put it this way, and I'm just going to read this because I, I didn't memorize it. I should have. They were troubled, so they didn't go to the trouble of seeing the Savior. They were troubled, so they didn't go. It's too inconvenient. It's too much, too much to this. I'm just not going to go. And it was such a clear sign that something had occurred. See, the Magi didn't come to make it into the Bible. The Magi didn't come to make it into the Christmas story. The Magi didn't come because they were powerful people and they wanted Herod to know that they were powerful people. That's not why they came. They came because they wanted to see and worship the Creator. That's why they came. 
But ladies and gentlemen, that is precisely why we come to church. That's precisely why that we serve. That's precisely why that we do the things that we do, because we love Jesus Christ. It is not to make a name for ourselves. It is to glorify his name and honor him through what we do. Man, these magi were absolutely incredible. See, there is always going to be more reasons not to come to Jesus than to come to him. Can we just speak a moment? You know, there's many reasons why the Magi could have said no. Many reasons. Long trip, it's going to be hot, we'll run out of water, we'll be gone from our jobs for a long period of time, how will we have the money when we get back, things change when, when people go. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons not to go. We might not be following the right star. This may be a phenomenon that we've misinterpreted. This, there's a great risk in this. When we get there, there might not even be a savior. We don't know what is going on. There was all these kinds of reasons not to go. And ladies and gentlemen, you and I can do the same thing. There is always going to be more reasons not to come to Jesus than to come to him. There is always going to be more reasons to come to, not to come to church than to come to church. There is always going to be more reasons not to follow Scripture and read Scripture than to read Scripture. There is always going to be more reasons not to give to the ministry than it is to give to the ministry. And Satan loves to give you a quantity of reasons not to follow Jesus. But it's not the quantity of reasons that you should be following. It is the quality of the one reason you should be following Jesus. And that is because he is Jesus. Period. Period. And that one thing makes all the other reasons just go out the window. They just blow away. They're gone. We follow Jesus. We seek him. We go after him him and he is so faithful to be there for us when we are pursuing him this is good stuff isn't it from the magi story right the magi story I was um, coming back from um, India about, I don't know, man, it's been a long time. I haven't been to India in a long time. Probably 20 years ago, I was coming back, and I had purchased some elephants. Not real ones, right? They're made out of marble, and I stuck them in my carry-on luggage. Now, if you've never uh, traveled outside of the country, there is no TSA like the one in Germany. They will make any man sing soprano. <laughs> any man. They, the one, the whole deal. Well, I had this thing, and... And uh, when, I was leaving, when I was leaving India, they opened up my bag because they didn't know what it was, and they, they touched my elephants and put them back in. And then another place, they opened up my bag, and I get to Germany, and they're opening up my bag, and stuff is flying out of my carry-on bag. And I'm a pretty organized packer, so for them to do that just made me cringe because now I have to take the time to put it back in order because the bag has to be in order before I get anywhere else, right? Yeah, it just has to be in order, Yeah. It has to be in order. It can't be just thrown in. Nicole is the opposite of me. Absolutely opposite, because opposites attract, but I can't do it. So, so I was going through my third checkpoint in Germany, and my friend Josh Hill was with me, and they were going to um, look at these elephants, because I was bringing them back home for my mom. She loves elephants, so I was bringing them back home for them. So I uh, went there, and 
Josh tells the TSA person, don't check his bag. They're elephants. They're elephants. Don't check his bag. Just let him through. He has been checked five times now. Three times in this airport. That's what Josh Hill says. And you know that TSA agent let me go all the way through and did not check my bag? So if you ever have anything that you want to get through TSA, use Josh Hill's line. (laughs) Just have a friend with you to say that. I think that's it. So these elephants were a gift. Well, these magi, they came with gifts, right? Three gifts. Three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, this is significant because gold means glory. In fact, in Scripture, gold is used of glory. In heaven, the streets are made of gold, shining as gold. It's a symbol of glory. Frankincense is an, an aroma that is a pleasing aroma. It's, it's a vibrant, it's a vibrant fragrance, which represents in Scripture a fragrant life, a fragrant life. And then myrrh represents death, okay? So they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh because we know that he was going to die. Well, what happened after his death, ladies and gentlemen, is he rose from the grave. And he reversed the list. He began to take people that were dead in their trespasses and sin. He would call them to salvation. They would be saved. And they would be saved into abundant, fragrant life. And one day, he is going to glorify you in heaven. Jesus came to reverse the curse. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, resurrection flips it on its head. And aren't you glad? Yeah, aren't you glad? And these magi that came experienced that abundant life because they believed in Jesus, they knew who he was, and they went back home. And I believe they went back home Christians. Yeah, they may have been that before, but I believe, believe that. So... I love nativities. I do. I really do. That's not a joke. I, re- I really do love nativities in houses. But um, most nativities are wrong because they put these three people in the stable. Okay? So this is something that um, early on in my career as a preacher, I would talk to my dad about because my dad collects nativities. He collects nativities, right? And so... For years, I would tell Dad, that's a nice nativity, but those wise men were not there. You need to put them in the east. They're on their way, right? Wherever the east of this house is, that's where they need to be. So for years, I would tell my dad this. Well, one Christmas, and this is about, this is recent. This is about 10 years ago. I come to his house for Christmas, and he has all these nativities out, and all the wise men are gone. (laughs) They're gone. He only has the people that were actually there. And then the next year, my dad went out and he bought camels with wise men beside of them. And he sits them on the um, ledge of the fireplace and he puts all the other nativities over here. Now, these are very large, large things. So he has all these. So he has made the adjustment. I, I I think it's absolutely incredible. While we're on this, ladies, I just want to throw this out to you. Have you ever noticed how big Jesus is in the nativities? He's huge. 
not only is he the savior of the world, he's the biggest child that's ever been born. Yeah, this time you look at one. It's like, Jesus is huge, and little Mary's over here. That came from that? Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. So, so here are these people. They are not supposed to be a part of your nativity, okay, biblically. If they are, I'm fine. We can still be friends. But when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to correct you. <laughs> In your scripture, it says wise men. But what I think you need to know this morning is that that particular Greek word for wise men is not really wise men. It's astrologer, sorcerer, magician. Okay? If you read the Old Testament, sorcerers and magicians are not supposed to even be in Israel. Did you know that? Not even supposed to be there. And so... These magi who are magicians and they are astrologers are, are the very people that God came to save. The people that were not supposed to be a part of the nativity. Not only were they astrologers and, and magicians and all that kind of stuff, but they were also Gentiles. Gentiles were not supposed to be a part of the nativity. Gentiles. For Gentiles to travel all the way over and for God to say, come and see the Savior through a star is a mind-blowing fact of Scripture. They're called from way over here to come here to see Jesus. If they came from Babylon, ladies and gentlemen, Babylon is a cursed city. Right? It's a cursed city. And the area around it is also cursed by God. So God calls individuals, magi, sorcerers, magicians, from a place that is cursed, and they were not even supposed to be there. Like, humanly speaking, we're not supposed to be there. But God said, I want these people there. I want these people there. And so they went. They went. They saw Herod. We've covered the story. And now these people, because of their faith, because they came, because the people that were not supposed to be there came, are a part of every nativity that you see. But more importantly, they are a part of the life of Christ in Scripture. I don't know how you feel about yourself. But I'm not supposed to be here either. And you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. And the fair thing to do was to make us pay for those sins. The fair thing to do for God was to say, they're sinners, they're liars, they're cheaters, they're adulterers. They have done all kinds of sin under the, under the book. I'm going to leave them in Babylon and not call them because they are going to get what they deserve. You and I, like the Magi, were not supposed to be, humanly speaking, a part of the story. But God, because he's unfair, in his grace and mercy sent Jesus to die on the cross 
to shed his blood for your sake. He arose the third day so that you could have abundant life and so that he could glorify you as one of his children. That is what Jesus Christ did for you. We aren't supposed to be in heaven, but the God of grace has given us an invitation to come and be there. And some of us in this room have accepted that call. We have come, we've bowed our knees, we've asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins, we've asked Jesus to be our Savior. And because of that, we have a ticket to glory. We have a ticket to heaven. That is where we are headed. And we are now a part of the redemption story, the kingdom of God. And it's an amazing thing. But there's some people in this room that might not have done that yet. Maybe the reason you haven't done that is because you don't feel worthy. Maybe the reason you haven't done that is because you feel like all your sins of your past is too much for God to really love you. And I'm here to tell you today, God doesn't care about what you've done in your past. And your past, when it comes to redemption, doesn't really matter. Because it doesn't matter where you've been, it matters where you are going. Receive Jesus today and do not delay. Now, there's other people in this room that are Christians. And you feel like that because you've sinned after you were a Christian, that for some reason God has just made you something that he can't use. Like you're just a dirty vessel. You're just a pot that can't be used anymore. You you just feel like because I've done this, I can't really glorify God because I'm just not good enough to do that. I'm here to tell you guys this morning that it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It matters where you are going. And the decision for where you are going today can start today. You don't have to wait until you're some type of angel. Because as I look through this crowd, yeah, you don't have to wait to your some angel and some saint before you can start following Jesus again. That is not what he wants you to do. He wants you to say, the past is the past, the future is the future. I have been stuck in the past in these old ways, not following Jesus. And today, I'm going to change where I'm going. As a Christian, I'm going to change being stuck. And I'm going to choose to follow Jesus and get serious about him again. If the Magi can do it, you can do it. If Constantine can do it, you can do it. And if you just take a moment to look around this room, people in this room can do it. Anybody can do it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. Thank you for this message. Thank you for this story that comes out of nowhere in Matthew. But man, what a story. And we thank you for it. I lift up the people in the room that maybe have stopped serving you in the past and they struggle. Pray that in this moment that they, the power of the Holy Spirit will convict them, will strengthen them, will take the struggle away, 
to help them see more clearly and that they'll make a decision to follow you with their whole heart today. I pray for the people in this room that hasn't received Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray, Father, that in this moment, your Holy Spirit will draw them to that decision and they will accept. For the rest of us, and maybe even the whole room, we praise your name because of who you are. We praise your name because of what you've done. And we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I'm here.